Welcome to Game Opinions Episode 10. I'm your host, Kalman, and today we're having a podcast that is more normal. <laughs> the last episode was a little bit weird, <laughs> so this one's going to be more to our original format. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, I figured I'd kick off today's episode by uh, talking about some uh, games that I've been playing and games that I've purchased. Um, and basically, at this point in time, I am starting to make an effort to acquire... The PlayStation exclusive games that I've missed out on, um, especially from the PlayStation 4 generation. However, uh, I have gone back, and I might have said this in a previous episode, but I have gone back um, to the PlayStation Vita, and I picked up the God of War collection. It was literally like $3 on, uh, I think it was during like the holiday sale, or maybe it was just on sale in, in general. Um, but it was like $3 for God of War 1 and God of War 2. And I never really got a chance to play those games, and I am really actually enjoying it. I I had an episode, I think it was episode two, where I was talking about how I didn't really have like a connection with God of War, so I wasn't really excited about the new God of War game that came out. Um, That was man, that was a while ago that I was I was talking about that. Um, But you know, I wanted to make sure that I was doing my due diligence and and really, um, you know, making sure (laughs) that. I'm really giving these games a fair chance, and I had full intentions of going back and trying out those games and really giving my opinion on how I like those games. So, so far, I'm still on on God of War, the original, and I'm actually really enjoying it so far. I want to have a dedicated podcast to the game um, at some point and really maybe just to the franchise and just how I feel about it now, but I will say after probably about five hours in, maybe a little bit more than that, I've actually really enjoyed uh, God of War uh, thus far. I, I think that I think I've kind of over um, sensationalized in a way, like how much like hack and slash is like uh, repetitive and all that. And the game is somewhat repetitive, but there's definitely some really good game design in this game, and there's some really cool puzzles um, that I've encountered. I mean, even the first boss, there was a, a puzzle that. Uh, it took me a little while to figure out what I was doing. I, I just didn't really, uh, it didn't really click to me like what I was supposed to do. I'm like, do I have to kill these things at once? Because it was like the two like uh, sea monster heads, and then there's that big one up top. But you're supposed to pin the the little sea monster heads down. I I didn't really understand that at first. I was like, what is this? But now that I'm seeing it, and there's puzzles in this game, there's more depth to the game than I gave it credit for. And and this is why it's so important to actually try out games because otherwise if you don't you might have a a view of a game that really isn't accurate and then you can't really talk about the game because you just don't really know it that well so um I've actually really been enjoying it though I think it's a really really um man it just it screams PlayStation 2 era for sure um you just feel like you're playing an older game but um it's there's something actually really refreshing about it um, and I like how the, uh, <laughs> the story is just like, I mean, the, the dialogue in the game is so cheesy in a way. And, um, 
I don't know. It's hard to describe, but it's like there's something about the atmosphere in the game that really draws you in. And I feel like you can really like pick up on, um, I guess, like the locations and stuff like that. And just, I don't know, the music, everything kind of ties in really nicely. And it, it kind of makes you feel like, you know, you're a part of that world in a way. Um, but it's it's just, it has a unique feel to it. It's not like a like a, a Dynasty Warriors game where you're just going in and, and beating things up. And I feel like that was kind of what I was associating this with. And it's really nothing like that at all. There's actually some really cool combos. Um, a lot of the things that I like in uh, like Spider-Man combat is kind of present here in a way, uh, in a different way, obviously. There's no like perfect like blocking or perfect dodging or anything like that. But there's different combos that really can, you know continue to make the combat interesting. So, so far, I'm really enjoying it. I think the biggest gripe I have with God of War games is the uh, analog stick to roll. I'm so used to being able to control the camera. I feel like if this game had, like, camera controls, I feel like I'd like it a lot more. Um, just in terms of, like, uh, the overall feel of the game. But I'm getting used to it now, and, and I'm getting used to it. Because, I mean, this is how games were. I mean, I remember I played Lord of the Rings The Return of the King on the PlayStation 2, which is actually a really fun game. And that game didn't have any camera controls either. You know what I mean? So it's just something I have to readjust and re-get used to because I'm so used to having like that that sense of like a, a camera control and I can change directions and all that. Um, that's just a result of playing a lot of modern games and a, and a lot of like Monster Hunter and stuff like that. <clears throat> My throat is just like dying on me now. Um, I feel like I'm kind of fighting a little bit of a sickness. <laughs> I'm not sure like for sure. Um, Kimberly, unfortunately, was unable to make this podcast with me today. Um, she is currently at work and she has just a busy schedule, um, but she's also sick. So she didn't want to come on the podcast this weekend because, um, she just, you know, wasn't really feeling that well. And I said, you know what, we'll reschedule for another time and we'll, we'll go from there. So that's why she's not here today, just to give you a quick update on that. Um, so besides God of War, I also went ahead and purchased, this is probably the worst PlayStation exclusive to say that I'm like catching up on PlayStation exclusives, um, but I'm playing Gran Turismo Sport. I bought it for $30. Um, you can get the base version for $19. To me, the game didn't really look like it was all that worth it um, for the full price of $60, but now that it's knocked down in uh, price, I feel like with the amount of content you get and the uh, the racing... Um, quality I feel like it's it's worth definitely the 30 the 30 dollars to get the starter cars and all that um I really like I actually really like the game so far we've been, pl I've been playing a lot of online with some friends um and it's fun you know it's it's definitely uh, there's definitely learning curves to Gran Turismo I will say that the analog stick controls in this one feel a lot more natural for an analog stick whereas Gran Turismo 4 on the PlayStation 3 I felt like you needed a steering wheel to fully enjoy the game I feel like it's kind of the same case with this, but I feel like at least the driving is more acceptable with an analog stick. You're not you're not killing yourself trying to drive the car. Um, just before um, on the PlayStation Three version, like when you would steer, like you'd have to you'd have to do a lot of like adjustments and corrections to like your steering because it would over adjust or under adjust. And I feel like this one it's much more in tuned with using the proper analog sticks. And I will also say that having these analog triggers is a game changer. And I understand that you could you could adjust that in the other in the PlayStation uh, 3 version, but the DualShock 3 the analog triggers were freaking awful. Like I don't know who decided to make them slope downward, but it was just not a good feel. Like if you go back to the PlayStation 3 controller 
Oh man, it is just, it's so gross. To, it's just, it's, it's nasty. It's so nasty to, to feel that controller in your hand because it's like, I don't know if this was designed for humans. Like I, I have a feeling it probably wasn't because it just feels like you're, you can't hold the triggers properly. When you press them down, it just, it doesn't feel natural anymore. And back when I used to use it, I never really had an issue until I've been using the PlayStation 4 controller and it's just night and day difference. PlayStation 4 controller is just so much better, especially for these types of racing games. It just, you don't, your fingers don't slip off these triggers, and the triggers are properly shaped. I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the PlayStation 4 controller. Um, it's just such a big improvement over the DualShock 3. Um, another game that I picked up, this one's a little bit more exciting. Horizon Zero Dawn. I was able to get the complete edition for, I believe, $9, I think it was. So I got the complete edition for $9 on a holiday sale. And it was, um, actually, no, 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 no. I think it was like $13. So $13, I got the entire um, complete edition with all the DLC. I haven't played it yet, but that's probably my next PlayStation exclusive that I'm going to hop into. I have it downloaded on my system, ready to go. And after I play that game, I will probably go for God of War because by that time, I will probably be done with uh, God of War 1 and 2. I already have three on my console, so I'll probably play that too. And then I'll jump into the latest God of War game. And after God of War, I will probably be playing some uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, there we go. We'll play Red Red Redemption uh, We'll play Red Red... Uh, I, can't, I can't even say Red Dead Redemption 2. Whatever. Well, I'll be playing Red Dead after uh, the God of War game. So that's the kind of sequence that I have. So I'm going to be kind of behind in game releases, but I'm trying to catch up. You know, I have a PlayStation 4, and I really want to hit these PlayStation exclusives before I go after, um, you know, more third-party games. Um, Nintendo Switch doesn't really have a ton of games coming out right now, um, so I can probably get away with not getting a lot of Switch games for the time being. And that gives me an opportunity to catch up on some PS4 games, which I'm really excited about because... These exclusives are so critically acclaimed, and they look like they all have qualities that I'd really enjoy. And I also want to play through the Spider-Man DLC. That's that's something that I still have to get to as well. So I have a lot of games to play, and they might not be the most up and current games, but um, it just it's gonna feel so nice to kind of catch up with everybody else and see what everyone else is talking about. Because there for a while, it's like when you have a lot of systems, it's great because you can play games. But you also are very selective of the games that you pick. So it's it's really just a, a double-edged sword. So, I mean, I, I love having a Switch. I love having a PS4. I love having a PC. I love having a Vita. Uh, the PlayStation Vita definitely gets played the least amount. But there are some games that I'd like to catch up on there as well. I'd like to complete Persona 4 Golden. I'd like to complete Killzone. Uh, I'd like to complete... Um, trying to think what other games I have on there. Uh... Can't think of them off the top of my head, but there's some there's some various games on there. Oh, Freedom Wars! I want to continue Freedom Wars on there because uh, I haven't I haven't really even dove into that game too deeply, and that was a really fun game. Um, and then on Switch, you know, obviously I have a big backlog there. I want to continue to play uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Two. Um, I want to finish Doom on there because I did have Doom on the Switch. So there's just other various games that you know I'd like to complete and like to um, get to. Uh, but that kind of catches you guys up on just things that I've been playing. I mean, uh, I haven't really had an episode where I just kind of went through all this stuff. So I figured it was needed for episode 10. And uh, yeah, 
So we're going to be moving on. So now we're going to go into some news stories. I think that um, it's been a while since I've actually gone and covered more than one news story in a podcast. So uh, I figured this one would be a, a good uh, a good one to do this with. So number one on our list is going to be Rocket League cross-platform play. So in an update coming, I guess, at some point this month or maybe next month, it's going to basically be the first major update of 2019. Um, Rocket League is going to have cross-platform play across all platforms. So that includes Switch, Xbox One, PC, and get ready for this, PlayStation 4. So we talked about this before. We talked about how PlayStation had their cross-platform issues. That has been resolved way since, you know, a long time ago now. But now Rocket League is going to be a part of that list of games that Sony uh, is now allowing cross-platform play for. So the whole entire Sony cross-platform play debacle is definitely completely over now. And uh, yeah, I think it's great for the industry. Uh, Rocket League is going to, I think, get a lot of benefits from having cross-platform play. And I think most of them are, are for the player. You know, we're going to have a situation now where if you play a lot of ranked matches like I do, um, going on and um, competing now, you have a lot of a, you have a lot more broader, um, you know, player pool now <laughs> to kind of compete against. So I think it's going to do a great service for the competition factor. And I think that if you have potentially the ability to pair up in parties, which it seems like that's where this is kind of gearing towards, I think that this is going to be pretty freaking awesome. And the, and the way that they were talking seems like there is going to be a way to match up in a party and to go public. So that is really exciting. And I think that this is going to cause people, um, not just for Rocket League, but this cross-platform play, I think it really is the future. I think that it, you know, basically kind of lessens the gap between these consoles in a, in a good way. Now friends can kind of pick which exclusive games they want because now they know these third-party games, a lot of them are going to be cross-platform play. So I think that's a really big deal. And I think that Sony definitely did the right thing by flexing this. I think this is definitely the future. And I think it puts more emphasis on exclusive games now. And I think that's just good for consumers, really. So I'm I'm super I'm super excited about this. Um, I really hope that there's like a Rocket League account similar to how Minecraft does it. And I think that I think that actually is what they're heading towards. And I hope that it's like, you know, you can transfer your profile from platform to platform. That way you don't have to buy all the stuff or unlock everything all over again. I think that would be really awesome. And I think that's what they're really heading towards at this point. So that's that's a positive news story for sure. Uh, we have a number two news story. And uh, there is a brand new console that is apparently coming out. And it's supposedly going to compete with Xbox One. Or not, maybe not Xbox One at this point in time. Maybe the next Xbox, the next PlayStation, and the Nintendo Switch. So it's basically a Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo competitor, allegedly. And it's being made by none other than Soldier Boy. No, I'm just kidding. It's not Soldier Boy. That whole situation is ridiculous, and I don't even want to talk about it. Um, no, it's actually being made by uh, Slightly Mad Studios, the team behind Project Cars. And uh, it's going to be called the Mad Box. And uh, if you look at the uh, console itself, 
it uh, it's kind of crazy um just because it has like uh all these like lights and um it's angular it's just really strange it, it kind of looks similar to a PlayStation 4 if the PlayStation 4 was like you know birthed in Tron it's it's just really odd and there's a lot of questions I think I have for this console and it there's really kind of like an internal debate you know at least for me personally if this console is really even going to eventually actually be a thing because creating a game console is very different than creating just a single game there's a lot of development that goes in there a lot of R&D whole bunch of different things and that's not even factoring in you know cost of production and how successful it could potentially be on the market um, it looks like the game. It looks like this thing has like a, a under touch panel type thing, but it's the entire controller is a touch panel, but it still has all the traditional controls. Like it looks like a really neat console, but I feel like, you know, it's it's all con you know conceptual right now, but I feel like it's going to be very difficult for any company, you know, outside of, you know, maybe Google, Apple, Amazon. I'm sure there's other companies too. That could potentially make a system, but really wouldn't have a lot of interest in doing so. I think that, you know, if those companies were to produce a console, it probably would be app-based. And you probably really wouldn't have any piece of hardware, gaming hardware, to go with it, excluding maybe a controller. So I think it's a little bit far-fetched to think that this console is going to actually be a thing. I just don't know if they have the capital to, capital to do it. And I think that they'd be entering a really competitive space right now. Because as it stands right now, you have a really good Nintendo Switch that I believe Nintendo will make a more powerful version of it. And I, I you know, think that there's going to be at least three to four, maybe four to five healthy years in the Nintendo Switch. I feel like it's really resonating with people and I think it's only going to get better. Then you have PlayStation 4, which is going to potentially carry momentum into PlayStation 5. And PlayStation 4 was extremely successful this generation. And if any of that translates to the next generation, PlayStation's going to be really hard to compete with. But then you have Xbox. Xbox One didn't have the best generation, but it wasn't awful. I don't think anyone would consider it awful. And Xbox has been making some moves. And it's their first actual system that will be released under Phil Spencer, who I think is, you know, pretty brilliant. I like Phil Spencer a lot. I think that he is a really good leader for the Xbox brand. And I think that he has potential to really further the brand. And I think that's really exciting. But, you know, they're also acquiring studios. You know, they just acquired Obsidian. Obsidian's going to be releasing a third-party game. But after that, they're locked down to Microsoft. So Microsoft has been acquiring, and that's, that's a big acquisition especially considering how talented of a development team uh, Obsidian is. So I think that Microsoft's trending in the right direction. I just don't see a place for, for this Madbox to really go. And I just think that it, it's a, it looks like a cool idea in concept, but I just don't think in a, a market where a lot of people speculate that after this next generation, we might not even have consoles. It might all just be app-based. I just don't see a logical reason for them to try to create a console 
in potentially the last console generation. I mean, I personally don't think that it's going to be the last console generation. I think a lot of that's overblown. But it's just weird to see a new competitor kind of pop up here and one that I just don't think is going to have, you know, the firepower or the capital to really produce a console that can compete with these experienced console manufacturers. So it's going to be really interesting. I just don't think that it's going to happen. Uh, it's yeah, I just I can't I honestly just can't foresee it. And maybe I'm wrong. Um, but I just think the market is way too uh, competitive right now. And it's, you know, potentially unstable after next generation. So it's it's hard to say. I just think that they would potentially take massive losses if they did that. And I don't know if they can really handle that. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just hard to hard to really, you know, talk about that. But um, all right. So our next uh, topic here is going to be Bungie splits from Activision. And Activision is, um, you know, I think this is just kind of a weird situation all the way around. I'm pretty sure Activision and Bungie um, probably, what, maybe nine years ago, ten years ago, um, signed a deal with Bungie. I believe they signed a deal for four games, and I think it was supposedly four uh, Destiny games. And uh, this contract ended early. Uh, it seems like Bungie wanted out, and I think that there was a lot of um, questions when people first heard this, if Bungie was going to keep Destiny, or if they were just going to go independent or find someone else to partner up with. And it seems like now, it's it's official actually, that Activision has basically flexed the rights to Destiny to Bungie. So Bungie's going to be able to take Destiny and either go to a different publisher or publish it independently. Given what they are, they had in their blog post, it seems like they are more interested in publishing games independently. And I think that that is a really weird option for them, but it kind of makes sense. And I think that this is going to make a lot of people speculate, though, if Maybe Activision didn't really believe in the Destiny brand. And they just decided, you know what? We don't really want this anymore. And we don't really want them anymore. Or if it was Bungie that just initiated the split. Because if, if Bungie initiated the split, it wouldn't be the first time. Bungie did this to Microsoft. I think there's a lot of... Uh, I think people kind of associated Microsoft with making that choice to get rid of Bungie, but Bungie actually left. Microsoft didn't really have much of a choice at that point, but to replace them. So it's, it's like not, it's like, I guess it's like kind of a super, um, similar situation, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of differences. Um, Destiny obviously was not nearly as critically acclaimed as the Halo franchise for sure. And now, you know, I think people might start to wonder if maybe Bungie doesn't really play nice with the companies that it works under or works with. Um, as far as I know, Activision never actually acquired Bungie. They had like a, a contractual uh, agreement and they worked together, but Activision did not have any stake in Bungie. They basically just helped fund 
their project. They helped fund Destiny. And, you know, at the time, it seemed like that was going to be one of the biggest games of the generation. It never really panned out. And I think it, it didn't pan out for, you know, plenty of reasons. I just think the game really lacked a soul. <laughs> and as, as like much as that's not really like an analytical um, reason, it's still kind of a reason just in general. I think that the game just never really delivered. And it seemed like the game didn't really know exactly what it wanted to be. It didn't know if it wanted to be a, you know, MMO or if it wanted to be just like a really good shooter or I don't know. It just ended up not really delivering on any aspect of that. And, you know, that's, I guess, in the eyes of the beholder, some people will say that it's, you know, a great game and it's a great franchise. But Activision obviously didn't think so. Otherwise, I think they would have given Bungie a harder time when they made the split. But it seems like Bungie was very happy. Apparently, they celebrated after the fact when the news came out. So they seem excited to do this. Um, publishing games is very difficult, especially the games like, you know, they make. And uh, it's, I'm not really sure what their plan is. You know, I don't think any of the big companies are going to be interested in bringing them back. Um, and, you know, I wanted to actually go into that now. There has been some speculation that Microsoft would be interested in bringing Bungie back for Halo. And there might be some interest there. But I'll tell you what, right now, uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, Microsoft and Bungie, they split because Bungie didn't want to make Halo anymore. And that relationship's over. It's never going to be rekindled. It's just gone. It's done. And, you know, it's never going to, you know, reconnect ever again. And uh, this, this comes off of an interview. And I think a lot of people misinterpreted what this interview was about. It's like they read the headline. But this is from uh, VentureBeat. And uh, it said Microsoft admits they made mistakes in transitioning uh, from to 343 from Bungie. And I think a lot of people skimmed over this, this interview, but I'll actually go ahead and read it. So uh, VentureBeat said, it seemed like that could have gone so wrong. The transition from Bungie to 343 was not an easy one. And it looks like it has turned out to be a great transition with such a large fan base. So then this is um, Bonnie Ross, who is a vice, a video game developer and corporal vice president at Microsoft Studios. So uh, Bonnie Ross said, honestly, we, made, we have made mistakes along the way. The community has helped us in creating good learning experiences for us. But I think that when I look at Halo... The universe is the most important character, and we are stewards of that universe. And if we are going to keep the universe alive and healthy, I think we have to ensure that we are doing right by Halo. I do look at it as a very humbling experience. The whole team looks at this as not just our universe, it's the fans' universe. How are we doing right by the fans? How are we doing right by the franchise? It is a part of our culture, this precious, precious world, and we're responsible for taking care of it. And we want to do it right. So they said they made mistakes along the way. But they weren't saying it was a mistake to move on from Bungie. Because once again, Bungie moved on from Microsoft. And I think people thought of this as like Microsoft apologizing to Bungie based around the title. And they didn't read further than that. So 
Yeah, like, I just don't think that Microsoft would say to 343, hey guys, we're bringing back Bungie to work on Halo Infinite. You know, the guys that wanted to leave us. Yeah, we're bringing them back and you guys are out of jobs. Like, you know what I mean? It just, it wouldn't happen that way. Bungie's just going to probably be by itself. And I don't think any of the three major console uh, manufacturers are really interested in Bungie's services. And Bungie has kind of shown in the past that they don't really want to to be into like a deal with a, a publisher or a uh, a company like uh, like Microsoft, Nintendo, or Sony. So it's uh, it's going to be a very odd situation with Bungie, um, but definitely something to monitor as we uh, as we go forward. So you know, just really just crazy stuff. <laughs> it really is. Um, so now this is going to be a really short. Twitter topic of the day, like the shortest one possible. Uh, I couldn't really pull up a lot of like uh, Destiny type things for whatever reason. That whole split, there was a lot of like professional uh, activity, but I couldn't really find uh, the kind that you know I really like to dig up. So we're just gonna go ahead and pull these things up right now. Um, so this is from EXB Anomaly. Uh, and it's at Anomaly R6. He said, yes, Activision split from Bungie and Bungie kept Destiny IP. No more holding back content, no more aggressive microtransactions. This is amazing. And I have to wonder if that is gonna be true. I, I have to wonder if there is a lot of emphasis on Activision being the bad guy here, or if Bungie was just as much in control of the microtransactions as, as uh, Activision was. Because I feel like as an independent publisher now, I feel like really Bungie needs to do whatever it takes to make money. So I think there'll there'll probably be a lot of maybe aesthetic items in the game, uh, such as like different suits and stuff that you'll have to pay money for. Um, probably no like game locking content or anything like that. Maybe DLC would probably be charged, but. Um, yeah, Bungie's going to have to really evaluate their finances after this whole entire split. So, I don't know if the aggressive microtransactions are going to really disappear. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's really hard to say. So, this last tweet we have is Mark McEwen. And his is at astronaut with a zero. And no T. So, it's just azonaut or as or no it's just no it's <laughs> i'm looking at the a it's just uh s-o-n-a-u-t uh good to see that bungie split with activision maybe i should go buy destiny 2 now a step further from activision and ea's grubby hands is a step closer to the gaming community and what consumers actually want and i really hope that this is what happens i hope that when Bungie steps away from Activision, I hope that they turn back into what they were during the early days of Halo. You know, I, I hope that they really get back to their roots and really develop, you know, a really solid story and really make it feel like, you know, more of an old style video game, but with new ideas and new fresh, you know, innovations. Hopefully that happens. I just remain skeptical though. You know, I feel like there's a lot of people that value these uh, developers and publishers, it reminds me of like Rareware. I feel like if Microsoft released Rare, I feel like there wouldn't be a lot of interest, maybe to poach their IPs, 
But other than that, the development team at Rare isn't the same team as it used to be. You know, back in the days where Rare was like a serious player in the industry, they're not the same team anymore. So I don't think Nintendo would jump at the bit to get Rare or, you know, another company um, similar to that because it's not really the same team anymore. You know, you don't really know the people that are working there now. I kind of feel like Bungie probably has lost people over the years. They're probably not the same team entirely that they were. And the way I look at it now is it's been a very long time since Bungie has made a really good game. Destiny 1, Destiny 2, haven't played Destiny 2, but Des the original Destiny wasn't that great. And I've heard Destiny 2 really wasn't that big of an improvement over the first one. I'll once again, I'll have to play it for myself. But I just think that, you know, we put a lot of value into these developers and they might not deserve it as much. And I'm not just, I don't want to doubt Bungie. I don't want to say that they won't pull out of this stronger than ever and become better than they ever were before. I just think, you know, expectations have to be tempered a little bit because this is something that you know, we don't really see all too often, especially with a company such, you know, with a, such a big history as Bungie has had. So I guess in the, in the coming months, maybe, maybe this time next year, we'll have like more information as to what Bungie plans to do for their next game. But it seems at this point that they have every intention to uh, publish it themselves. And if they do that, I think they're going to find it being very difficult. But I mean, they've been in the industry for a long time. And if, I guess if any company could figure it out, I mean, they could, it's kind of a cliche, but you know, they, I mean, they have experience. They probably have more experience than half the companies out there. And I believe that they probably have self-published a game at one point, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them team up with someone just to get additional funds, but maybe more in tune with what they want. And, um, yeah, I mean, Activision and EA aren't really the most uh, savory companies in terms of their policies and how they handle things. Uh, I mean, you can look at EA and how they essentially tanked the uh, Star Wars IP. Um, we're going to have an entire podcast dedicated to that because of how sad that is. And really, Activision hasn't really had a noteworthy game in a long time. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely, you can definitely draw some parallels there and you can kind of draw up your own opinion. But I think that I'm still going to remain skeptical at what, at what Bungie is going to be planning on doing. Um, and in terms of in terms of if I'm excited about what they're going to do, um, not like super excited about it because once again, I just I feel very skeptical um, as to what they'll accomplish. But I think that you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I it's it, I'm trying to think because, uh, like I said, I, I don't know if they still have their their good uh abilities that they had like in the early halo days you know it was a different time back then and i mean once again they haven't really done a lot lately and this is kind of an industry where people look at you know what have you done for me lately and i just don't know if they're going to be able to do that so that's going to conclude our Twitter topic of the day. And of course, you know, we're going to be talking about this more. Um, I think that when it comes to a lot of the Microsoft Microsoft side of things, I feel like my knowledge isn't that um, expansive. 
you know, I wasn't really a big Microsoft fan when I was younger. I didn't have an Xbox. Uh, I only recently played the Halo games, um, probably within the last three years. Um, I think they're good games and all that. But um, when it comes to Bungie and it comes to Activision, those are two companies I don't really follow too much. And um, so this this news story for me, it's, I mean, I probably know about as much as, as you know, someone that doesn't really know a whole lot. So, um, yeah, so uh, I don't really know what they're going to do. Uh, I think that things are going to get interesting for sure. I wonder if this will start a, tr a trend. People are saying that um, the new trend should be called bungee jumping. If, uh, if people are, uh, or if I guess development teams are, are separating from their publisher or separating from business partners. Um, but it'd be cool if, if we saw some more um, companies break away from, you know, these big, big time uh, publishers like Activision, EA. Uh, I just feel like, I feel like mostly all the companies that work under EA are owned by EA. Um, Activision, I believe, owns most of its, um, you know, developers as well. So it's, uh, it's really strange. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. Um, so, guys, expect more episodes this week. I'm trying to use this week as a week to get out all of the, uh, the old stuff from, la from like, the end of last year again and uh, talk about, you know, some other stuff that I'm working on. I plan on having some reviews of different things. Um, so, just, uh, you know, keep an eye out for that. But until next time, I thank you guys so much for watching. And I will see you in the next episode. See ya.